Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Greetings, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. In this episode, we'll take a look at the burgeoning world of NASCAR in iRacing and esports through the eyes of a couple of Peak Series team owners. Now, this is timely for two reasons. One is that the Thursday, August 29th episode of NASCAR America will mark the second broadcast of an iRacing All-Star exhibition with Peak Series drivers. The first broadcast last month of an iRacing All-Star exhibition on NBCSN went extremely well, so if you want to check it out, it's on at 5 p.m. Eastern, NBCSN, Thursday, August 29th. The second reason that this is timely is that it comes on the heels of a Peak Series victory for one of the owners we are speaking with, Parker Kligerman, who co-owns a team with Jeff Burton in iRacing. Burton Kligerman Esports scored its first victory with driver Ashton Crowder at Darlington Raceway. Parker and I spoke about a week and a half ahead of that. This discussion took place on the morning of the Bristol Night Race, but we talked a lot about Burton Kligerman Esports and the growth of iRacing in general. Besides owning a team and pushing to bring iRacing to a national audience and platform, Parker also has been racing in simulations for well over a decade. He knows a lot about iRacing and esports in general, so I thought this would be a good primer for anyone checking out the NASCAR America iRacing broadcast. Parker provided a lot of background and context, as did Steve Letarte, whom we will speak to directly after Parker. Stevie also is an owner in the Peak Series, and while also a big proponent of iRacing, he has a slightly different perspective from Parker. So we've got two guys here who have always been great NASCAR and NBC podcast guests who hopefully will edify you on iRacing and esports. And we'll get started with Parker. As you'll hear, this conversation took place in a rather unique and antiquated location for a discussion of the cutting edge and technology. We taped this just off the lobby of our beautiful and grand hotel in Johnson City, Tennessee. So we'll hear that first. And then we'll go directly into the conversation with Steve Wittart that we recorded a couple of days later in Charlotte. But anyway, here's Parker talking iRacing. Here at the stately Carnegie Hotel, <laughs> which is a rather apt location. Uh, this might be the oldest, most stately hotel that NASCAR and NBC stays in. A perfect locale for discussing esports, iRacing with Parker Kligerman. Parker, thanks for being here. Thanks. We're actually in the Roosevelt Library. I mean, this is what a juxtaposition. 
for esports into this old world room. We're sitting in there's a buffalo head to the right. <laughs> We're sitting in large leather couches, a chessboard in between us. Juxtaposition was exactly the word I was going to use. So I beat you to it. Yes, I beat you to a This is why we have you on this program. Now, you often beat me to vocabulary <laughs> words. Never. So, uh, NBCSN had its first iRacing broadcast uh, back at the end of July. We're coming up on our second iRacing broadcast on NASCAR America. And wanted to have you on, Parker, because you are an iRacing esports guru and uh, <laughs> oh, intended this to be a little bit of explainer for people who may have watched the first broadcast, might be watching the second broadcast, and we're just might be interested in all of it in general and, and how it's affecting NASCAR. Here's where I want to start, because when I started doing research for it, I realized there's iRacing and then there's esports and there are competing leagues here yep. for NASCAR. Can you kind of explain, you know, we're broadcasting iRacing, but that's not the only avenue for esports in NASCAR. Yeah, so there's... What NASCAR's created is called eNASCAR, and that's the eSports divisions of NASCAR. And they're officially sanctioned series. You have one that's the NASCAR Heat League, mm -hmm. the Pro League. That started this year. Um, that is more of a uh, put together by the RTA teams that are in NASCAR, so the Race Team Alliance. And then the series that I'm involved in with Burton Clickman eSports is eNASCAR Peak Antifreeze iRacing Series. And that series has been, this is its 10th year. So the iRacing has had it as an officially sanctioned NASCAR series for 10 years. It started out as what was called like the DWC, Drivers World Championship. Um, it's evolved. It started out at the beginning where the, the winner made 10000 bucks, And now this year the drivers are fighting for a prize pool of over $100,000. I think it's over $112,000. Um, so it's grown pretty well in the last 10 years. And this year was the first year that they brought in teams and the team structure is similar to the heat pro league which is that we as teams are there to kind of validate the series and to grow it right so we're there to promote the series use our followings and that sort of thing to tell people this exists this is happening and that sort of thing and kind of stems from a couple years ago i wrote this piece about what would be the perfect esports league for motorsports talking i racing back then i talked to some people in the rta back then about what my vision was um, wasn't able to bring everyone together, but then iRacing this past off season decided they wanted to do something similar. So I reached out to them and looked at having a team. And Jeff Burton was interested in it, so we both came together to start Burton Clickman Esports. And iRacing did something really cool where they brought in NASCAR teams, right? A team like Burton Clickman Esports, Latart, Steve Latart has one, and then they have actual esports teams. So these are G2 Esports, uh, Renegades. The cool thing there is that people ask, what is a team? The reason we have teams is to promote the league. So what iRacing did was super cool is they got some NASCAR people, or NASCAR teams, they got some NASCAR people and motorsports people, uh, and then some esports teams to kind of grow that base and that expansion of who's paying attention to what we're doing. You know, whereas the Heat Pro League is very NASCAR focused. You know, they're there right now. I would say calling them competitors from the outside view, yes, I get that. I think in the future, hopefully, I've always had the vision that the one that's a console-based one would be your entry level, and it would eventually lead you to what we're doing in the Peak Series. To explain to people, it's, they're completely different. The iRacing is the simulator that you yep. see on NASCAR America. Not everybody has that type, of, but that's essentially the type of infrastructure uh, apparatus that you're talking about when you race it. Whereas the NASCAR League, which is more affiliated with actual cup teams, right? Yep. That's console-based, meaning Xbox and PlayStation 4? Yep. Okay. Well done. Yeah. So... Exactly. So that's the console-based one, and you know they were looked at as mass market and that sort of thing. But I, I think I look at it more as like that's your you know my dream has always been 
that you could be sitting on your couch, and whether you're 16 years old or 60 years old, and you would see this happening, you could think, huh, well, I have an Xbox, and I've got a controller, and I'd play that game. wonder if I could make it to that league. So they go about doing it, and they make it to that league, and they do really well, and from there it gets them the opportunity to go to iRacing and to get the equipment they need. And it's not a large barrier of entry to get in iRacing. It's, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's negligible. And then they would work their way into that simulation side, and eventually they could reach it to the top of what we're doing in the Peak Series. So that's the whole deal here is why I get excited about this is it's about breaking the barrier of entry to motorsports. That, to me, is the, I guess, the dream of it all is that, you you know, the biggest problem we've had in the sport for people to participate is that it's a massive barrier of entry. And so that's what we're breaking down. So if you if you had this, you know, this great linear feeder deal to the top, it would be a really cool thing to get more people involved. And that was one of the things you said the last time you were on this podcast about it that I think really caught people's eye, that you believe sometime in the future, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, there will be a Cup Series driver winner mm-hmm. who started out on their computer. I mean, I essentially, like, By- William Byron is, I mean, he had the, some intermediate steps, but yep. he essentially is, is an example of what that could be, right? Exactly, and I, I think it, you know, he's an example of someone who, he's similar to uh, myself. So when I started real racing, go-karts, back when I was 13 years old. At the exact same time, I got my first steering wheel for a computer game called F1 Challenge 99 through 02. Then that became R-Factor eventually. That's the same company that made that. Then at the same time, I found Enter Chesn 3. Well, Enter Chesn 3 was eventually the same people who made iRacing. At the time, Dale Jr. and Martin Trix Jr. were on there and everything. So I literally started sim racing the same time I started real racing. And for myself, you know, my family just didn't have the finances to, you know, support me in real racing that often. So I use sim racing as this 10,000 hour theory, which is I would race every single night of every day. And when I was in eighth grade, I lost all my friends because all I did was sim race. <laughs> and my, my mom and dad were worried. They were really <laughs> worried. And they were like, oh my God, he's, you know, he's going to be this weirdo. And, um, <laughs> You know, I was introvert, and uh, all I did was sim race. I kind of broke out of that a little bit in high school, but I still <laughs> did it all the time. And now there's a formal way that's being developed for that to happen. Yeah. And I think you'll see someone with just zero racing experience in real life find their way to a real car because of what we're doing here. I'm glad it didn't result in any retardation of your social <laughs> you're, you're very well-adjusted. Well, well I think I just make up for that time now and try to be <laughs> yeah, really All that time you didn't yeah. interact with other human beings. I always tell my girlfriend I'm grade. an introvert. She looks at me like I'm insane. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Landon Castle talk about the 10,000-hour theory, and Malcolm Gladwell's famous for uh, expounding on that, believing that anybody who practices 10,000 hours in a craft can become essentially an expert. So you and Landon, others in racing, essentially believe that that for some people, if baseline talent is there, if you practice enough, and iRacing obviously would allow that, you can make yourself a race car driver. Absolutely. I think so wholeheartedly. You know, when drivers put down esports and sim racing, it's because they don't understand what to use it for. Obviously, your older generation is going to look at it like you're insane. And then the younger generation might look at it as a game and not realize that there's actual benefits that tangible benefits to what's happening in real life. So when you go on there and you race, and you, I always used to use this example. If I'm going to Daytona or Talladega, the biggest thing that is the difference between me winning or losing at Daytona or Talladega is split-second decisions. Unless you have, I don't know, unless you were going to race somehow at super speedways every week, there's no way to practice for that. But on iRacing, you could go on there and literally race 
10 times a night. So then you're making those decisions, those split-second decisions about when to move in the draft, who to push, where to go, how to read the draft, who, what position to be in, how to read where wrecks are coming, how to avoid wrecks, etc., etc. You could do that 100 times in the week leading up to Talladega or Daytona. And then when you get there and you're in the real race, technically you've been making these decisions so often over that week, it should be natural, right? It should be even quicker. And that's the way I look at it. You know, that's one of the examples of what you can take from that to as a real driver to be like, all right, this is how I use this for my advantage. And are there leagues always happening? I mean, if, if you wanted to get in a race at any time, at any point during the day, 24 hours, is there always a yeah. race happening? Always. always. Yeah, so yeah. iRacing has uh, what they call officially sanctioned races, and they have series and leagues, essentially, that they're sanctioned by iRacing. And they're, they're on different time frames. So, like, a Xfinity race might be every hour. Cup right might be every two and a half hours. But you can find a race at any time. So you have leagues that people make, which are, you know, their own personal leagues. I've raced in a couple over the years, actually numerous ones. Uh, I used to race in one all the time on Monday nights. It was a cup league. It was a lot of fun. But, you know, like, yes, there's there's so much out there. But what we're doing with the Peak Series and the Heat Series is trying to bring a formality to it all, right? And to be like, all right, here's a formal hierarchy. Here's a formal place that you should aim to get to. It's seen massive growth this year so it's been exciting and that series the schedule pretty much mirrors real life so they have 18 events so they have a lot less events it might be a great uh thing for the real life to look at but (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) i'm a little tired this morning so that that my uh my love of 38 weeks is a little bit tested at the moment Um, (laughs) you don't need to apologize for that i I don't think i don't think i'm alone in that one yeah Uh, tested one point or another even our seven-time champ has made it very clear yeah there should be less races so maybe life should imitate (laughs) art exactly or (laughs) simulation arcade maybe life should imitate oh man i i I see no loss of benefits to sport (laughs) uh by doing that only only pluses yeah so they do a little short abbreviated season but it pretty much mirrors the real series. They try to line up the weeks. So it's basically every two weeks that they race. A little larger break in there for summer, which is our novel idea. Love a summer break. They have a playoff system. It's not exactly like real life, so you don't win and get in. It's just the top eight in points get in. And then they have a bit of a playoff system that ends at a Miami race. And then what we broadcast on NASCAR America, that's more like an all-star exhibition type event. Exactly. So what we did, so this is really exciting. So everyone at uh, NBC was really cool to put this together. And and between iRacing, NBC, NASCAR, uh, it was a huge group effort to make this happen. And so what we did was we said, all right, you know, what would be a cool thing to do with this? And the all-star idea was thrown around. We we dedicate a whole NASCAR America show to this. And, you know, we do it on a Thursday leading up to the, the races that weekend, almost like, you know, sort of a primer for the weekend. And as it evolved, we were like, all right, you know, what we should do is we should just try and get as many of those Peak Series drivers to show up as we as we can. But the coolest thing about the Peak Series is that these are real people, real jobs, real kids going to college, kids just getting out of high school or in high school. You know, I mean, they have real lives, so we can't just suddenly be like, hey, can you show up at 5 o'clock on a Thursday? Like, <laughs> out of nowhere, I mean, they have to, like, design their lives. You might have to call in sick to work or, you know, ask for a free period at the end of school. So it's a cool deal. But nonetheless, what we did was the all-star sort of format to say, let's get them in there, and it'll be fixed setup, and we'll just try and have this cool race to showcase what's happening out there in the esports world. And then it sort of evolved, and we were like, you know, as it got closer, we were like, hey, you know what's cool about iRacing is we can do anything. And you know what people are always talking about? Cup cars at Iowa. 
So you know we're going to the first race? We're doing cup cars at Iowa. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Why not? There's no restriction, right? So that's such a cool thing that we can do, and people loved it. I mean, it was a huge response. I mean, the, the social was out of control. iRacing's hits their website went through the roof. We had an excellent race. Nick Ottinger and uh, Ryan Luza battled in the last couple laps side-by-side, side, and it was a photo finish, and it was just an epic event. It was everything I knew it would be, and it showcased iRacing so well, and it showed how they, the groove moves around and the rubber lays down, how realistic it is. And so it was just a, a massive deal. And so going forward, we kind of took that template so the next one, I don't want to give away the track yet, but let's just say we're doing something cool. <laughs> so same vein. Yeah. This is what we wanted to see lately. Guess what? We're doing it. So like that's why I think is so cool. It's like we can do that stuff and be like, this is so realistic to also say this is kind of what it would look like in real life. Yeah, that first broadcast was extraordinarily well received. I had my second screen experience going on while watching it, of course, and social media, Twitter. I think there were a lot of replies like, wow, I didn't think this could be this watchable, this cool. Obviously, that's a testament to we have an excellent production team on NASCAR America. John Barnes and Sean Page did a great job producing, directing, and getting it to look like a real race. And then you and AJ Allmendinger, Chris Devota did a great job in the studio. And then you also had th this feel that it, it felt like a real NASCAR and NBC race because you had <laughs> Jeff Burton and Steve yeah. Retart, who are our race day cup analysts, also doing analysis on this. And it's Burton Kligerman Esports, and I don't think Jeff Burton would get too angry at me for revealing this, but like when I talked to Jeff for a State of NASCAR podcast we did here on the NASCAR NBC podcast back in January. <laughs> I know where this is going. He was not too high on the concept <laughs> of uh, iRacing in esports at that time. So naturally, when he was introduced as your co-owner, a few weeks after that, I was like, wow, this is great. Yeah. So tell me about how Jeff Burton became well, what we've learned an iRacing guy. Yeah, what we've learned is I'm a, a hell of a salesman. So, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> you know, so Jeff, Jeff was funny because we talked about it a year prior when I sort of brought up what was happening in the esports world, what I really wanted to see happen. And, you know, there was some education there of, like, what's really going on. The interesting thing was this all came about with the team structure. And so I just called them and I said, this was January this year. And I said, hey, you want to still do that team deal? Because last year he was like, what if we could own a team in one of these things? And I was like, yeah, maybe we could. I don't know. So he goes, you know what? And, like, we talked for a little bit. And, I, and he was a little hesitant. And I said, hey, Jeff, what's the biggest problem racing? Like, what's the biggest problem being in racing? The hardest thing to, to get involved. And he's like, well, you know, financial costs and everything. I was like, guess what? We're breaking that barrier of entry right here. Like, this is smashing that glass ceiling. He was like, you know what? I get it. This is cool. And I kind of explained what was going to happen and how the draft works and all this stuff and how it's kind of a really cool template for a racing series in some respects. And so he, he got behind it, and I think he's – now seen seen the light in the last he watched that first race at Daytona which was an epic race it was amazing they had huge viewership with all the teams that had joined and everything he was like all right I get it. This is cool. I think those races have certainly helped legitimize, give it some credibility. Is that happenstance or just good luck, good fortune that these races that have been broadcast or have gotten all the attention have been such good close finishes or, or are there close finishes more often? Are there races in iRacing where people are saying, maybe we need a 2019 rules package? <laughs> for, for well, they, had the 20, they had the 2019. We follow the real rules package. Right, right, right. So it's all realistic. <laughs> there is. There is runaway races. We've had yeah. a couple this year. We At Sonoma, uh, Bobby Zelensky, who drives for Joe Gibbs Racing, I mean, he just Wax the field. It was, I mean, he was in another league. Another one, maybe it was Keegan Leahy or, or Yarl T, and I can't remember which one, waxed the field at a mile and a half. So it happens. It happens. But then, there, but more often than not, there's very exciting ones because it's so competitive. You know, at the end of the day, 
they're all in different makes of cars or anything, but the cars are essentially the same. And then the setups, they can all work on their setups. That's what they all do, and they can make those different. But it, there's not a huge discrepancy in setups, and then it comes down to driver, yeah. what the driver does. So it's it's a really cool situation in that sense about how you know competitive it is. And because of that, it lends itself to great finishes because it's so damn competitive. And uh, as we mentioned, Burton Kligerman Esports, and you have two drivers, and those are Ashton Crowder and Logan Clampett. And yep. you also have an interesting situation here where your team has sponsorship that you yeah. just announced recently. So uh, this is kind of exciting. I, I, I mean, I always thought it was cool, you know, guys in real racing that you see that eventually go on to, like, do, you know, they bring in new sponsors and they do things. And, and you know, I see it across motorsports as over the years. You see, and then they become, you know, sort of implanted in motorsports in some respects. And I was like, man, I wonder how that goes about. And the funniest part about the esports thing is it's almost like an example of owning a team, but like with less stress yeah, <laughs> and overhead, yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things we set out to do with uh, a buddy of mine named Andrew Stallings, who has an agency now called Othello Group. Um, I didn't know Stallings had yeah. finished out on his own. Okay. He does. I didn't he know does. he was a part of this either. Well, that's a whole other story where I convinced him to move to Connecticut to chase a marketing okay. job. Um, For those listening, by the way, if you're a Sirius XM listener, Andrew Stallings has a Sirius XM NASCAR radio connection. He used to be the producer of the morning drive. Yes, he did. So, yeah, Interesting. That's how we became friends. Many years ago, he was looking at his life and decided he had an opportunity to go do marketing up in Stanford, Connecticut, where I was living, or Norwalk, Connecticut, right nearby, and or become like a PR person. And I knew him, and I knew what he wanted to do, and I was like, come up here. It's gonna be, you got to do it. It's, this is what you're born for. And so he did it. And uh, I don't know if I ruined his life or made it better, but <laughs> he's just recently got married and everything, so I think he's doing all right. But anyway, he has a an agency that he started. He does some social media stuff for me, and so this came about sort of through my social media stuff. And then one of the things I really put him on was like, hey, let's see if we can leverage this esports deal. SteadyMD.com came along, and they were interested, you know, in sort of a combination of the esports and my social media. And so we were able to put it all together as a package and get sponsors on those cars. It's you know a huge moment, I think, for esports and a huge moment for eNASCAR to get a company like that that's really sort of, one, new to NASCAR, two, new to esports, two, new to you know any sort of motorsport stuff. Coolest thing that happened, though, was when we made that announcement and we did the race on NBCSN and everything, we saw just a huge response to SteadyMD. And they were like, wow, I didn't realize, like, how this works and this is amazing and they saw the we you know we were able to put together maybe some of the demographics that were out there and looked at some of that and just it was incredible to see their reaction to like what had just occurred and so it's been really cool so we'll see where we'll see where that goes it's just for this this last portion of the season um and then we'll we'll go about figuring out next year what's going to happen next year but it's it's very it's a seminal moment you know for the whole deal what do they get for the sponsorship obviously logos and everything exposure on the cars but do they get anything beyond that do they get you in burton so it's, it's so that's or? well that's the interesting part you know you can't it's not it, well real life is going through this too you can't just sell a billboard right this doesn't work anymore so it's leveraging my social media my the drivers our team stuff um you know sort of putting together it all as a package and so it all sort of encompasses so if the race is happening i'm tweeting and i'm instagramming and i'm and the drivers are and the team is and it all sort of goes together you get all that so it can't just be like oh here's your logo exposure on the car we do that as well we kind of track some of that stuff and look at it but 
the the biggest thing is sort of on the social side, and that's kind of where the world's going. You know, no one sells a sponsorship and if on a car these days sells it just as a billboard because you can't. It's not going to work. I'm sorry. It's just it's it's that's the it's almost becoming one of the most insignificant parts of a sponsorship in the future, and it will become it will continue to. Do. So you have to find other ways to leverage the other stuff that you have involved because you have this platform, you have this microphone, you have to use that. That's what you're selling. You're not selling billboard space as much. You know, that helps, and that is a, it is a huge portion, but it is not the only portion of what, this whole deal. And this is kind of a different dynamic because, in this case, the two owners of the team are obviously way more well-known exactly. and renowned than the two drivers. So yep. We have to leverage ourselves. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Burton Kligerman Esports. So in the Siskel and Ebert arrangement here, did Burton <laughs> get to go first because this was like your <laughs> enticement of... Like, hey, man, I gave it to him, yeah. racing. Okay. I gave, and I yeah. thought it sounded better. I thought it rang. <laughs> it had a bit of ring. <laughs> I don't know if you saw or if you're an athletic subscriber, but Jordan Bianchi did a good story, I thought, recently on, on iRacing. Really good story. I and, am a subscriber. Okay, so you may, have, you may have seen this. For those who didn't, his lead was about Eddie Wood, who I believe is in his 60s now, co-owner of Wood Brothers Racing. And he was driving somewhere and had to, like, find out or be, be able to watch what was happening in, I don't know if it was NASCAR heat or first night racing thing, whatever it was, he wanted, much like Jeff Burton after seeing that Daytona race, he needed to go see the the virtual representation of stock car racing. He wanted to go see it. And it's not really something you'd expect that mm-hmm. like that older demographic would take to it so much. Do you yeah. have any, have you seen other examples of that? Like maybe like old guard NASCAR welcoming this maybe more than you might expect. <laughs> so we should do the oppo here for a second. Then. Yeah. Okay. So the opposition, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that are don't understand it, and there's a lot of people that are threatened. And, you know, after we did that broadcast at NBCSN, and it was watched by a lot of people, uh, especially within the sport, that were very curious as to what the heck was happening here. And I, you know, was sort of put as the front man in some of this, so I, I took the brunt of some comments that were maybe a little bit less excited than maybe we were. A lot of times I found that it was just that they weren't, you know, it was the same thing as a driver using sim racing for just driving reasons. They didn't understand what to take from it. A lot of times, I was able to quell those fears. I know that Corey LaJoy was with a bunch of the Ford Cup drivers at a retreat, as I heard on his uh, podcast, and they were all watching it and going, what in the hell is happening? Why is this <laughs> happening? Are we that irrelevant that we... And it's like, you just looked at it completely wrong. Yeah. Y- you're not. It's making you more relevant. You, they're driving the cars that look like your cars. They're trying to be you. You you just looked at it as they're trying to replace you, and it's a lot. There's a lot of insecurity in racing. You viewed it as this negative, where it's actually a positive. Of these guys are replicating you, and they're trying to grow your following, and you're trying to to get more people involved because more people can participate in what's yeah. happening there. So, I definitely think on the opposition side, there has been a, a bit of that pushback. But at the t- a lot of times, as I said, it's just they weren't maybe looking at the glass half empty instead of the glass half full. Over a conversation, I'd say 90% of the time I could convince them otherwise. So, you know, explain what it's doing, the demographic shifts, the, what we see in terms of people that participate and how at the end of the day we're just trying to grow the base of people that participate in the sport. And when you explain all that, it's like, oh, okay, I get it. So they're not coming for my job. No, they're not coming <laughs> for your job. So don't worry. Yeah. And they're not stealing your sponsors. Yeah. So don't worry. It's going to be totally different. And a lot of times, like the way I look at it is imagine Steady MD in the next two, three years, grows as a company, 
looks at our deals saying, hey, that really helped us. And they say, you know what, what's the next step? And we go, real NASCAR. So now you just cultivated a sponsor into the sport that was never going to touch it before that in any capacity. So I think that's, you know, one way to look at We're not only cultivating drivers, maybe even owners. You know, Jeff Burton and I are not going to go own a cup team, nor is Steve Letarte. But now we have a team of some respect that we can, you know, use and be involved. Uh, and then eventually we might cultivate sponsors that get involved at the lower level to eventually move up. And they might become the sponsor of Corley Joy. And then I have to say, what about that? So I mentioned uh, Jordan Bianchi's story on Athletic. I would be remiss if I didn't also mention uh, Dustin Long did a really good story for NBCSports.com slash NASCAR looking at a driver who was moving into Legends cars at Charlotte Motor Speedway after starting solely in the virtual world in racing. So just talking about your vision for the future, and you said that you essentially were... You wrote the Dan Gurney white paper for <laughs> iRacing esports kind of here a couple of years ago. Uh, that sounds like provided some framework for what's happening here. You know, where, where do you see it going? I, I know that you know we were talking before we got started here. There are already some plans for what 2020 is going to look yep. like. I don't know how much you can tell us, but well, I should. So I should preface that my paper when that happened, iRacing reached out to it, me and said we've been thinking the same thing. So I should yeah. preface that it wasn't fully me, and I want to take full. Credit. I want to make you the Dan Gurney. Yeah, no, I know it's it's really cool, <laughs> man. That guy's a legend. <laughs> I mean, I just follow it. I don't know. I, I God, if I've, 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 I feel like more often than not that within five years, no one will know the name Parker Klingman, let's lo- <laughs> let alone put me synonymously with Dan Gurney. Unlikely. I, I, so the dream, as I said, is that I personally fought so hard to be a part of the sport. I'm first generation. No one in my family had any connection to the sport. I found it watching TV, funny enough, that I ended up in TV. Literally, when I was nine years old, we got cable. I saw Speed Channel, saw racing for the first time. I loved cars. Wow, I need to do that. I found sim racing at the same time I started real racing, and it was my sole connection to the sport when I wasn't able to drive anything real. And, you know, for my family, they had no connection to it. My, you know, I, I had to fight within my family to, to stay connected and to, to be involved in racing. But sim racing, I never had to talk to anyone about. I could just do it. And so my dream is that I don't care where you are in any walk of life, or, you know, what your age is, you could potentially be involved at a very high level in a motorsport, in esports, uh, in the future. And eventually it could become a career. It could become a path, a destination, you know, not just a stepping stone to eventual real racing. It could become a, another destination within the world of motorsports. Or always it's sort of that destination stop to get to real motorsports, that's fine too. But I just think it's so cool how, you know, motorsports has a great advantage in terms of what one thing I love is the fact that men and women can compete on an equal playing gr- ground, right? It's one of the only sports I can think of in the world that does that. Right. It really doesn't matter. Esports is cool in the motorsports realm because it doesn't matter where you come from, what your financial background is. You could get involved in it and eventually get to a high level. So I think my, my dream is sort of, to bring motorsports to the masses. And I think esports has that ability to do it. And I think for the iRacing Peak Series, um, you know, the growth has been insane this year. I was just talking to some guys in the garage at Michigan about it and, you know, just how amazing it's been. I think, uh, you know, everyone at iRacing, Steve Myers, everyone at eNASCAR, um, I guess he's just say NASCAR, uh, and within all the owners and such, it's it's been cool to be working together to kind of design what the future of this league is going to look like. But I would say it's very positive. It's very cool. And there's even something at the end of this season you'll see that's going to be pretty exciting as well. So I, I think there's just the, the sky's the limit in terms of what we can achieve here. And if we do it right, 
we can create something that truly helps this sport move forward into the future. All right, joined now by the owner of Latart Esports. Man, that sounds fancy. Is that I what like it is? That. That's what it is. All right, it's Burton Kligerman Esports, and now we have. I don't have a partner. The owner of Latart. They partnered Esports. up. It's just me. <laughs> You didn't feel the need. I didn't feel the need. I didn't. I I, I went ahead and got into this all on my own. Okay. (laughs) And what what prompted Steve Letarte to get involved with this? Uh, So you got to go all the way back. When I was Dale's crew chief, one day on the way to New Hampshire, we stopped at Boston. I went and saw his friends at iRacing. I had heard of iRacing, uh, but I had never done it. Ran a little bit there in the office, talked to him some, voiced some stuff over. I was the crew chief voice at one point, you know, telling you to do good stuff and bad stuff in the radio. And then I just got to know those guys, and they set me up with a couple of count, raced myself, and then I got a little bit nicer sim rig. I have like a three-screen kind of setup. My son races way more than me now. Uh, his licenses are way better than mine. You know, I was a big fan of iRacing, and then I knew they were going to get T-Motors involved, but I didn't know how exactly it was going to work. So they had their first wave of team owner drafts I was not a part of. I have been 12 teams, I think. And I saw Steve Meyer and the people I know from I racing down in Daytona. And I said, man, I think it's great. Hey, if you ever have any more drafts, I'd love to be a part of it. And they said, well, we're actually getting oh, – they didn't say anything there. And then like a month later, I got this cold email that said, hey, we're thinking about adding four more teams. Would you like one? And I said, I would love one. So I was basically they awarded the opportunity to have Latard Esports with two cars in the field. I drafted my drivers. And now as a team, you promote is probably your biggest role. To let people know it's out there, that, that the, the Peak Series races and when they race and things like that to get viewership. Uh, but we're also trying to help the drivers, social media training, race preparation, so they know the e-racing world and the sim racing world. But, you know, I've raced my whole life, so even though this is virtual, it's still the same thing. There's still a car and a track and conditions, and we talk about all that. I've even had a discussion with my one of my drivers are perhaps calling a race for him. So I might be his crew chief in one of the upcoming races because I've been disappointed with his crew chief's performance. So the eSports drivers have crew chiefs? And spotters. During the races. Okay. Correct. I don't think I was aware of that until just now. Just Well, look, look, it's just like in real life, you know. How can Alex Bowman race and decide what his fuel mileage is? I mean, these guys are racing. They're no different than a stock car driver except for they're not on a vehicle. They're in their sim rig or at their desk or wherever they race from. So the crew chiefs are watching just like you would from the pit box. There's a system that allows you to kind of watch the race from your car's point of view, and you understand where everybody is, and and you lay out the strategy of the race just like you really would. It's a little more complicated, but you have to understand what the tire fall-off is and the balance shift. And, you know, so I get strategy. There's too many missing pieces. So that's why I haven't done it before, because if I'm going to do one, then they also have, like, pro-level club races all the time. We would do two or three pro-level club races first so I could get an idea of that track and that tire combination, and then I would call the race. So would you need help then with adjustments being made in addition to strategy? Is that where – I mean, Mm. are there actual adjustments? Yeah, you make adjustments all the time, yeah. Air pressure is the big one so it doesn't slow your pit stop down. How did you decide on your two drivers? So – there were a handful left that hadn't been drafted yet, and I looked at all their bios, looked at their I rating, which is kind of their skill set ratings, their win percentages, and that narrowed the field down some. And then to be quite honest, Chris Shearburn is one of my drivers, and he's the oldest driver in the field by a lot, by probably a decade. He's been around since the Papyrus days. Like even Dale, you know, Dale Jr. is like, man, I raced with him way back when I lived in the double wide. So he's been around forever. And when I looked at the potential negatives, because everything has a potential negative, 
I said, well, my concern about a potential negative is you're supporting two drivers that you don't know super well. And I was cons- not concerned, but the negatives are what, what are they, who are these people in real life? So I called both of them, discussed it with them after I decided kind of on their skill sets. And then I took Chris as kind of the wily veteran. And then I took Nathan Lyons as the young up and comer. He had a lot of history and a lot of support in the pro series, which is one below peak. So that's kind of how I ended up. Parker has gone out with Burton and gotten some sponsorship. Have you explored any of the commercial possibilities there for your team? Um, yeah, absolutely. I haven't went on the sales group yet. You know, I haven't been out there selling it. But uh, there's a lot of interest from some of my former partners and some potential new partners about what sim racing brings for viewership, the demographic. There's just a lot of po- – I mean, it's grown huge. Like, you know, iRacing, you're talking over probably 100,000 people per race. So those are big numbers. And now with, with NBC picking up their all-star race a few weeks back and a upcoming all-star race, and, you know, there, there's a lot of good stuff happening. So the big question, though, when you talk about partners is what's the value and what are we going to do with the value, how the owner interacts with the, the drivers. Uh, there's a lot of question marks still, but I, I applaud e- iRacing for kind of making this happen. It, it's It was – I think a great idea. I think um, the ownership side is the next big breakthrough when it comes to esports. And to pat ourselves on the back, I think that the first broadcast that we did as part of that Thursday NASCAR America was extraordinarily well received. You and Burton as race analysts, you had Parker and AJ and Krista in the studio. It felt like a real race broadcast. What was your impression on how all of that worked? Was it seamless? Did it was it a little bit weird at first to broadcast virtual stuff because it seemed like it just it felt very comfortable. You don't know it's virtual. I mean, you know, because the graphics are a little different. But so, so I told my wife that I was going to have this esports team, and her look basically said it all. So she's a well-educated attorney who has zero social media. So you can imagine esports is pretty far out of the spectrum of things she would consider. She basically said with her look, that makes no sense to me. You're crazy. And I said, well, trust me. I think this thing's going to grow. It's going to get bigger. It's going to be cool. I don't think there's any real downside. And about two weeks later, she walked into the living room, and me and my son were there, and we were looking at our phones, and she had no idea what we were looking at. And my son held his phone up, and she was blown away that that was a bunch of people sitting in their homes racing. I mean, when you go to the Twitch stream, I mean, it's racing. And what makes it is it's twofold, threefold, really. The work that iRacing has done to set the expectation of graphics helps the viewership. But more than anything, no offense to iRacing, the talent of the guys driving. It's not video game style. I mean, these guys are running inches apart, side drafting. It looks like a real race. It's, it's remarkable how talented these guys all are. So it's the same as calling in real life at Bristol Motor Speedway, being above the grandstands, looking down on cars racing. It's no different watching it on a computer screen, video yeah. screen. I mean, it, yeah, it really is. It truly is. If you took a live race and put it in standard definition, you would have – I mean, I don't think you could tell the difference. Like, it's crazy. And then the third part of all that is the reality of the setups and the aerodynamics and the dynamic track surface and the tire model. And I could bore the listener with the complications and the challenges and how much they align with the real-life setups. It's, it's fascinating. It's outstanding. And, and that's all the cool racing part of it, but it's very some, one simple reason why I wanted to be involved, and it is my daughter um, is raised in a racing family. And for her to pass seventh grade, she had to know the rules of basketball. She had to know the rules of baseball. 
That's gym class. She had to know there was a, a test on soccer. And it disappointed me that she didn't have to learn the rules of racing. She didn't have to know what a green flag was or a checkered flag was. or she, None of that was required in the curriculum. So in my mind, the best way to grow the racing fan is to have them experience racing. They're not all going to like it. That's fine. But I think both console games, which exists with the NASCAR Heat Series, and simulation racing, which is the iRacing Peak Series, have a place in this world to spread the ability, much like the local go-kart track, much like the rental go-kart track, all of that. I mean, as a community, as a racing community in the country, we all have an obligation to get racing in front of as many young men and women as we can to let them decide if they want to like racing or not. And I think this is just one great avenue that it can happen. So that sounds like more your, I mean, Parker's vision for this, you know, he believes in we can start guys out in iRacing esports and develop this ladder system into cup, into real life. But it sounds like your vision is even more, hey, it's more about audience as much as it is competitors. So I don't disagree with Parker. I just think his idea of transition and mine are much very different, very wide variety in steps. I do believe that a preteen to teenage person can learn to race at the simulation level and then go prove in their mid to later teens on the racetrack if they want to and are good at it. I still think that there is a level of reality that's not there and it'll never be there. And that's the simple fact of 200 miles an hour is so quickly swept under the carpet anymore. And it's damn 200 miles an hour. Let me let me be clear. I can go run about a 42 second. I can go run about a second off at Michigan in iRacing, which is still second off. L- let me be clear. It still would get lapped in this la- <laughs> in this thing in like 25 laps. Right. I'm not sure I have the aggression to go run a second off at Michigan. I think I probably have the ability. I bet if you gave me all day, I could go maybe two seconds off, right? Which is a long ways, right? Clint Boyer would laugh at me if I said two seconds <laughs> off. But I don't think I don't think talent would be my issue. I think it would be, oh my gosh, I'm going 185. Right. I'm out of the gas. The visceral experience of actually doing yeah. that in yeah. real world conditions. Yeah. I just think you know everything doesn't have to connect. Like I, I I don't disagree with Parker, but it doesn't have to connect. So I look at it the opposite. I think iRacing and esports is is not a I don't think so. My vision is in 20 years, this isn't a ladder to the, to the Cup Series. This is in, instead of for for competitors. Like, do I think it's ever going to be NASCAR Cup level? I'm not going to say never. But why does this have to lead to that? Why can't this lead to this? Like, why can't this sit on its own? I, I mean, my brain goes everywhere, right? Why do we not have uh, collegiate teams? Why do we not have high school teams? Listen, they have been blessed with the opportunity to create a platform that's been financed and backed by John Henry. So when you have financial backing. It's very, I won't say easy, but it's much easier to keep your moral compass pointing straight. And I have yet to meet anyone at iRacing who didn't have their moral compass pointing straight, meaning their goal is to build a great product that highlights racing, not NASCAR, racing, whether it's dirt, you know, oval, wherever it is. And that impresses me that they've been able to stay the course for so long. I'm thankful now that it's growing. I mean, it's deserved this much attention for a long time. Best example or evidence that you've seen so far of that growth that gives you that you've seen this year that gives you hope, optimism that this this is something that's well. Be good. The fact that I'm talking to you and that we're going to have a second live iRacing race on live cable television. I mean, that should, this has been going on for ten years. This is the peak series tenth year. 
And in, I would argue in the last one year, it has grown as much as the first nine. In most things I've been a part of, curve grows. It's, a, you know, it's not a flat line. It's a, it's a slope. So I think it's making big strides. Um, the thing about eSports is it's a little bit like the word Google. So Google is a search engine, but yet it's used as a verb and a noun and a this, and it's its own brand that now is bigger than itself. And a little of that comes with iRacing. You know, people think iRacing is, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to go iRace. Well, let's, you're not. You're going to go simulation race on the iRacing platform. And I know that's funny and people laugh at that, but that's a big distinction. That's a big difference. And, and I think that's where it's growing to now, that iRacing is becoming its own. It is the brand. It's the Kleenex or the Q-tip. A good analogy there from Steve Wittart, and our many thanks again to him and Parker Kligerman for taking some time to talk iRacing and NASCAR esports with us. That was illuminating for me. I've been curious about iRacing for a few years, to the point where I actually have poked around about maybe getting some gear, a setup to race online. I haven't taken that plunge, but I certainly have enjoyed seeing iRacing on NBCSN and look forward to the Thursday August 29th broadcast on NASCAR America. Again, that's at 5 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. Parker and Stevie will be a part of that broadcast team, along with Krista Voda and A.J. Allmendinger, so be sure to check that out. You can check out the NASCAR NBC podcast wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much wherever you can download a podcast, you can find this one. Please leave a rating, a review, or spread the word on social media if you like what you're hearing. That helps us out. And as always, any feedback you can send to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I have a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.